Welcome back to the Roadie Medic Podcast, the podcast about the people who make up the life of live events. Today, our tour takes us to the south of England, to the iconic Brands Hatch Racing Circuit. With a heritage of nearly 90 years of motor racing history. In recent times, it's the home to the British Touring Car Championship, NASCARs, and the British Superbike Championship. Today, we are joined by Drs. Claire Morden, Obi Najuba, and Jess Rogers, the Brands Hatch medical team. So, today, we're going to get their insights uh, from their trackside view as doctors delivering pre hospital care at the sharp end of the motor racing world. So, guys, welcome. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Nice to be here. Uh, so Claire, can we just start with you? Can you just tell us about yourself, your background, um, and how did you get into this cool job? Okay, so before I went to medical school, I had always wanted to follow in the footsteps of someone called Professor Sid Watkins. And Sid Watkins was a bit of an idol of mine. He essentially, in the 80s, took the medical facilities in the motorsport world and transformed them into top-notch sort of hospital level care but trackside. Uh, he is actually a neurosurgeon in his day job um, but travelled with the Formula One team and I was into motor racing, I used to watch it at home, wanted to do medicine though, I'd have been an awful Formula One driver. You know I drive cars okay but um, then I went to medical school, went on to do emergency medicine and intensive care, dropped emergency medicine very recently to concentrate on really motorsport and intensive care um, and having a family alongside doesn't all necessarily go together uh, something has to give in life um, and with the motorsport I was very fortunate when I was in my F1 job to like my foundation year one I should say not the one job um, to meet someone who worked at Thruxton who took me along and then I carried on doing it so I've been doing it for 12 years now um, and then gradually worked everywhere and then got asked to be chief medical officer at Brands Hatch and then I've got involved with Girls on Track which is all about getting females into motorsports. sports and I'm one of the ambassadors for Girls on Track in the UK uh, dare to be different as it's known and travel with them teaching medical things and trying to get people involved in the sport in all levels and I love working at Brands Hatch with the team with like Obi and Jess and all the paras and nurses and everyone that goes together and I work at Silverstone and Goodwood as well and it's all good fun that's a bit of a long story it's awesome so Obi you come from a slightly different background you're you're a surgeon by trade uh, and you've been doing this for about five years, is that right? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I started off, I suppose, similar to Claire getting involved as an F1. Actually, my, my, I didn't know anything about Brands Hatch until I went along to a Kent um, KSS Air Ambulance Clinical Competence Day when I was an F1. Because um, uh, I've always been into pre-hospital care, you know, throughout med school. Um, I was always keen to try and get some observer shifts and stuff with, with HEMS. So, um, yeah, I went along to um, KSS HEMS, Government's Day, and I noticed this logo on their overalls. Um, I was like, oh, Brands Hatch. Name kind of rings a bell. Like, um, you know, I wasn't the biggest kind of motorsport fan, but, I, you know, I, I knew, you know, 
sort of vague understanding of Formula One, that sort of stuff. Um, so I got talking to I think it was Rob, a guy called Rob Wilkinson, who's um, one of the paramedics at KSS, and um, he put me in touch with um, the CMO at Brands at the time, it was Tony Bateman, um, and he invited me along for you know observer shifts um, at Brands, and I really really enjoyed it. You know. I, I, it was it was an eye opener for me. It was like a side of medicine that I hadn't seen before, and I couldn't believe that you know you can actually just get paid to come and sit in a, a nice car and <laughs> watch cars, watch racing, you know, close up. And I'm sure there's more to it than that. It's, it's highly complicated, isn't it, and very scary. And then, yeah, I mean, we'll get into that yeah, later. Yeah, 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 but you know, over the and then you know, I I used to go back every couple of weeks and. Um, you know, throughout my F1, F2, and then I think it was around about C, end of F2, CT1, when they just said, "Yeah, you're working today. <laughs> you're not observing anymore." So, so yeah, I've been I've been doing it for quite a while now, more than five years, I'd say. Um, so, I mean, I've been a yeah, I've been a doctor for like ten years now, almost. So, um, yeah, good good few years. And then alongside this, you've been uh, a trauma yeah, researcher, yeah. haven't you? Yes, yes. I were briefly colleagues for a while at um, Royal London on the trauma research team. So, um, yeah, I'm a general surgery trainee. Um, but um, after doing my first year of uh, surgical training, um, I took three years out to do a PhD um, with the, the guys at Royal London. Um, again, very much in the theme of you know, trauma um, being what I'm interested in. And um, I've just come back into training in October, um, just gone. Um, so, yeah, it's been, been trying to get back up to speed with where I was clinically. So, Jess, um, on to you, another person I've worked with. Um, so how did you get into Brands Hatch and your journey into pre-hospital care? So I, um, I kind of ended up at Brands Hatch accidentally. So, again, similarly, that I, w- I went to medical school at Hull York, um, but I actually grew up in Crocken Hill, which is a, all of about five miles away from Brands Hatch, but I'd never stepped foot in the place. And then I came back down to South Thames for foundation, and during one of my first foundation jobs, I worked with an anaesthetist who is one of the doctors at Brands Hatch, and we just got chatting. We happened to be in theatre a lot, um, got on quite well, and he said, oh, maybe you should consider coming and joining us, because I've always had an interest in pre-hospital. Um, so I ended up coming and do some, doing some observerships and then joining the team when I completed my foundation competencies. And I've been there quite frequently since. And yeah, I then also did the uh, trauma masters that Obi did and a couple of the others have done up at Brands Hatch. So I did that during my F3 year, which again further just got me interested in the trauma side of it. So I've, I've never been a big motorsports person, but I've come to Brands Hatch from the trauma side of things. And last year I joined the uh, British Motorcycle Club as well and did a couple of events with them up at Cadwell and Alton Park and saw some other circuits. Um, I find the bikes my more, what I find more interesting events. You get a bit more trauma from the bikes. Uh, yeah, um, my kids yeah. prefer the bikes. <laughs> They're so much more fun to watch. <laughs> the way they throw themselves around the corners. Absolutely but I do insane. like the classic cars as well. Yeah, some of the nice proper old classic cars are great to watch for events as well. Yeah, I've taken the kids to the the um, the Masters historic. Yeah, um, really that's good a good weekend. one. Yeah, I like. Bikes. You see, I don't let my kids watch the bikes because I don't want them to get ideas. Yeah, 
So Claire, can you just paint us a picture of, of what the setup is? You know, we've got three of the docks here, but um, it's going to take more than just three docks, eh? Yeah, it does, certainly. Um, so we have a medical centre which has um, certain regulations that it has to meet by something called the Blue Book by Motorsport UK, but essentially we have to have resuscitation bay and a resus bay in our medical centre is very much like you'd find in an emergency department. It has, we have three beds in ours and we have an portable ventilator, we can intubate, we have the drugs available to do so. Also, we have all the drugs um, that are available to sedate and if we had to relocate a limb or something like that, we could do that. Um, and all the pre-hospital interventions that you would do before necessarily transferring someone. However, saying that, we are not a hospital and we would only do interventions that are deemed absolutely necessary. Ultimately, the goal is to get that patient to the hospital, but in the safest way possible. So we may give analgesia, but we would transfer them. And certainly, I know I've worked with OB ingesting cases, particularly OB is one's fairly in my mind. We do everything in a timely fashion before HEMS might arrive, if it's serious, or the local ambulance crew, but normally we wouldn't utilise their services, we would send our own ambulances. So we also have ambulances on site, it's normally three to five depending on the meeting, and we have a multidisciplinary team of doctors, paramedics, a duty medic who works at brands more frequently and oversees the medical centre, and we also have some nurses and ODPs that work there as well. Um, so depending on the event, we might have two or three doctors and two or three paramedics, or we might have up to, I think for German touring cars, which is our biggest medical team meeting, we would have uh, 15 doctors and 15 paras um, alongside the ambulances. So it can be quite big because they have different requirements because it's a FIA license meeting. So it all varies. Um, and I think everyone enjoys it. We all work together well as a team. And it gives people opportunities to do pre-hospital. We also have a ward, so we can do the minor injuries. And certainly the minor injuries we might see and not necessarily transfer on if it doesn't need to go to hospital because a lot of us are ED trained so we're able to do that or we're able to provide them with details of how to follow up if they've got concerns uh, we might say you know if this becomes an issue go to the emergency department or come back to us and we will arrange transfer but that's kind of we don't want to be a drain on local resources which is why also we have our own ambulances to transfer and I guess the, the nature of um, motor racing being quite high risk, um, you need that kind of critical care capacity on site, don't you? So being able to yeah, you do. manage head injuries, those life-saving interventions. Um, exactly. You know, so so every, everyone who works at Brands has a background in trauma and is either regularly practicing it, regularly renewing their ATLS, 
and we do regular training sessions as well um, and I think although we don't want to use those skills <laughs> desperately I feel it's a bad weekend if we're having to use those skills um, though I think it's important that we're all as up-to-date as possible and I think you know from the drivers and the team's perspective it's nice to know they've got that there and we always have someone airway trained on i think we rarely use it i don't know if the others would agree but we would prefer not to use it but if we had to we can obi you mentioned um it's kind of a bit of a fun it is a fun day out let's let's face it it's cool to see the cars it's cool to be part of it and also see it from a different perspective you get all this backstage access and in the pit lane i'm guessing um for you what's what's the where's the best place to to, to watch the action both as a spectator and clinically yeah no i mean it's we, we so we've got a little you know we've got a perk which is um you know we've got like a staff hospitality box which we can use to bring friends and family and on some occasions I've joined obviously off duty <laughs> joined my family uh, in the box <laughs> and that's always nice but um I don't you know I enjoy being in the car uh with the guys and you know being up close and being there as a you know real first responder but equally um you know I like uh you know, when I act as CMO and I'm based in the office and I've got bits of admin to do and I'm speaking to the, you know, the duty paramedic, I'm speaking to, to the St. John's guys and, you know, we, we sometimes get, you know, armed police popping in for whatever reason. <laughs> so they happen to be in the area and, you know, you do, you do uh, get to mingle with different types of people. So I think wherever I'm based, um, I always tend to have a, a good time. Um, you know, I yes, I you know, at the end of the day, I'm a, I'm a doctor, I'm a trauma enthusiast. I like being in the thick of it, um, not too often. <laughs> Some of those bike meetings can be quite, um, quite uh, draining uh, at times. Um, so they, they do tend to come off and break things when they do. Um, and then you, of course, do have the you know occasional uh, fatality um, as well. And I've been involved in you know those with Claire. And, you know, it's a reminder that um, in as much as, you know, it, it is most of the time a nice, you know, afternoon spent watching racing, you're, you're there to do a job, you're there to save lives, um, you know, and, and get people to hospital as quickly as possible. So practically, when you're in, in the car, where are you located? Because people will probably know about Formula One, the safety car and stuff yeah. like that. But for, for you on the shop floor, on the track, where, where are sure. you? So it depends on the, the format of the track that we're using on any given event. So we can, we've got, we can run a full Grand Prix circuit, uh, which would uh, require two medical cars. So you've got, we'll have one car stationed um, at the start finish line, basically. Um, and then another car um, at the, on the Grand Prix loop at the back end of the track. Um, those would be for the, the bigger events. Um, if we're just using the, the smaller indie circuit, then it would just be the single car um, at the start finish line. Um, and when those car, the cars are normally paired up with a rescue unit um, and will often respond jointly uh, to an incident. Again, following on from that for bike events, which Jess I think does more of as well, they are more likely to have people out 
on track on actual posts mm. and for german touring cars we have people on post as well as well as deployed to the start and finish of the pit lane and various other places i don't know if jess wants to say about the bikes yeah it, it depends on the bike event so british Superbikes, i worked for a couple of times at brands hatch and they certainly tend to put doctors out on the posts quite a lot more so every couple of posts you'll have a doctor or a paramedic along with the marshals so that you're there as an immediate responder but you don't have much kit with you in those instances because it's whatever you can carry and is light whereas the cars will have a full medical kit almost the same as what the hems cars carry um so with bemsey which is the british motorcycle club they prefer to keep things within the cars so they have two two cars and a van um, so they'll have at least three lots of people spread around the track um, so that you just cover a small amount of the track each uh, to get people there quicker. But we often, as, as Obi alluded to, the bikes tend to hurt themselves a lot more so than the car drivers. So you do tend to get at least two or three of the car uh, medical cars attending if it's a big bike accident. So even if you've only got one doctor and one paramedic in a car, you're really on your own for the bike events because normally the whole team will go out to assess them if it's if it's serious and are there any things that are different for your kind of ppe personal protective equipment as a first responder you're not just rocking up in your scrubs i guess no so we we have overalls that are meant to be fire retardant um and also proper like workman's boots like your steel toe cap boots for if you have to climb in and out of things and so you don't get things dropped on your feet if the rescue team are pulling bits of car apart so that's what we tend to wear and then obviously with covid happening at the moment as well we've got the extra ppe of now gloves masks and aprons the disposable ones for for every case mm-hmm. we, we talked about um the kind of uh, kit you've got your, your personnel where we're basing uh, the staff and now, now it'd be really cool just to talk about um, how do you how do you respond when there's a bit of a pile up, um, there's a crash. Well, I was just going to add on to the back of what Jess was saying. Um, you know, when we go out with the rescue team, now you know we're as doctors. We, you know, most of us don't have much experience outside of hospitals, uh, and we're all a bit sort of dopey when it comes to. Um, watching out for you know hazards you know in the real world so you know not like the paramedics you know that's their bread and butter but um, you know we we would often stand back and wait to be told by you know a member of the rescue team that you know the scene is safe that we're not going to go there and the car's going to you know blow up or you know we're going to get an electric shock or something you know something something like that so we we don't go charging in um you know, if, if it looks like the driver is in a real bad state and, you know, we don't have time for, you know, them to do all their bits and bobs, we will tell them and they will, you know, do some sort of rapid extrication. But we do, we do wait to be told, you know, it's, it's safe to go and do what you need to do. And practically for drivers that are around the track, are they getting radio or are they getting, is it flags around the track that's communicating they need to slow down if, if there's an extrication going on? Say. So- Normally, unless it's televised, they would stop the racing if we right. needed to go out. But if it's a televised event, um, certainly they have yellow flags that means slow down. Um, and if it was a serious event, they'd red flag the race and stop it. But yellow flags 
we would respond to in a medical car under with caution essentially because there's still cars on the racetrack but uh it can make for an interesting journey to the patients um as some cars are slow and some cars are just unaware of your existence i believe but yeah we and we all have to when we're dealing with a casualty on a live track you normally have someone who can hold the back of your overalls and that sounds really silly but they're essentially watching the oncoming cars so that if someone's coming towards you and you're so busy dealing with the casualty that you don't see they can actually make you aware by pulling on you mm. and this is another good reason for going out with the rescue unit is they they drive a big you know truck big ambulance um and so they'll use their vehicle to fend off our vehicle and provide some degree of protection against the the ongoing race mm -hmm. yeah so let's let's i'll give you a hypothetical so you've got a um at a, a end of a straight going into a corner car has gone in and hit hit the um the sort of outside barrier um and you've got a crumpled front end um how are you going to be communicating and working with the extrication team um in your role looking after the patient and their role in opening up the scene for you go on jess you take it so so, so usually, um, so we all have radios that we're, that we're listening into and control will tell us by radio if they want us to go out to an event. Usually they'll send the medical car and the rescue unit at the same time. So you both arrive at the same time. As Obi said, medical car pulls up first, rescue pulls up behind to fend off. Um, and we position ourselves as much out of the way as we can. In terms of if the driver's still in the car, because a lot of the time they've self-extricated, and they're walking around and they're just more angry that their car's a bit mangled. Um, but if, if they are still stuck in their car and they've actually hurt themselves, then uh, rescue do the first, yes, it's safe for you to approach. We then go in as the doctor and the paramedic team, do a quick kind of ABC assessment and decide almost on a on the spot decision, does this need to be a rapid extrication as in, this person's really sick i want them on the floor and out of that car now um in which case they rescue will do that they're fantastic they've got a few different ways that they will just basically pull them out as safely as they can but as quickly as they can or we say this can be a normal extrication take your time if you need to cut bits off the roof of the car or um use some different equipment to try and release them if they've got something caught so it, it goes one of one of two ways or they've they've already extricated, as is the case most often with the cars. And what I would say from following on from Jess as well is we the approach to the driver is that you approach them as much as possible from the front, so that if they've got a C spine injury, they're not looking either way. You could kind of yeah. keep them eyes front, as it were, as you approach. Is another thing that you just get used to, I think. Absolutely. Um, I don't know if other people would agree. Yeah, yeah. and I think with the the, ha um, the hands devices that they wear as well around the neck to protect the C-spine, all car drivers wear those now to try and stop those C-spine injuries. So that makes it even more difficult for them to, to be moving around. They've often taken, the, they'll take those off quite quickly if, if they're fine. Yeah, it's funny. I, I've done sort of um, championship rugby pitch side cover for the last two years. And um, they teach you in, in hospitals, you get taught um, advanced trauma life support where you approach the patient in a particular way with your hands out to protect um, the, the C-spine. And, and that's drilled into you. 
but um, when it comes to sort of pitch side and neck injuries uh, for rugby, you approach in a different way. So you're going to secure the, the neck from an, an anterior hold. And it's kind of a weird thing, but definitely it is to protect against the player looking left and right and then um, aggravating a C-spine injury. So I guess it's a you know, similar sort of uh, thing that you guys are doing there. So I think one quite good um, kind of addition that we've had in the last couple of years at Brands is um, we've now got, um, you know, CCTV footage in the medical centre. So me, for example, as a CMO, um, I can see what's happened, replay it from different angles and have a good idea of the mechanism and how, you know, badly injured the patient is maybe before the team have already got there. And I can actually call them and give them a heads up and say, look, he's rolled a couple of times, you know, maybe you want to bring him in or, you know, you know he's up walking about, but, you know, don't worry about it sort of thing. And that's actually a really good point because I think with the rugby work you do as well, it's um, there's been a big emphasis on concussion in the last few years. Yeah. And with the camera footage, you can actually see if they had a loss of consciousness, even if briefly, because you can zoom in on the, compu- uh, on the computer to see that footage. And we always say to the marshals how important they are to ascertain their state of awareness and confusion when they first approach them because we might not get there straight away we might be 30 seconds 45 seconds by which time they can be back to normal but obviously for concussion and the impact of a potential second concussion in the short term we need to try and be aware of those elements so i think the cctv footage has been brilliant yeah Yeah, absolutely we've we've had a few um, things like that with the bikes where you actually see that what you assume is the impact brain apnea event where they'll have that period they're just lying completely still by the time the medical team gets to them they're sat up and they're like oh no no I'm fine I remember everything mm. I didn't black out um, so yeah the CCTV has definitely become invaluable really over the last couple of years and giving us that extra information that we just didn't have before because you can't see all of the track from wherever you are and you might just happen to be looking in the other direction at a car coming from the other way when someone crashes behind you. So you often don't see it live if you're out on the medical car. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so having the CMO and the paramedic in med center to look at that CCTV is, has been great. Um, for you guys, when you've got multiple casualties, um, how do you marshal your, your personnel? Because where do you, you know, who do you go to? It's a classic triage scenario, isn't it? It's, it's the quiet patient, the still patient or the noisy one. I think we've had start line incidents certainly where there have been multiple cars involved and before you even get out you are looking at the drug well the patients who are on track and divvying them up between you because there's often two or three of you in the car but if it's a big incident like that we would also call on the second medical car or a CMO for race control, um, because they can also join out on track. Um, And it is, as you said, a triage event. Um, And you do go through your triage tool, I think, subconsciously, even if you don't have the labels necessarily. Obviously, if it was a, a major incident, that would be different. And that is something that more recently we've worked through i don't know if jess and obi would agree we've done some training on it within brands hatch yeah. um yeah. because 
we are aware as well ultimately um it's possible for big incidents to happen anywhere now so we have to be prepared and in terms of that preparation are you doing classroom training but also doing simulation as well yeah so we we try we, we do at least one training session a year where we'll go through kind of an m m almost for last year we'll go through anything that's changed we'll do some simulation and that's where we tend to do our major incident simulation training um which has been most useful because you've got the most people there at one time to go through it but then on a sunday the start time is slightly later so we try and spend the first 20 minutes if we can um, and if I've been CMO, I've tried to get St. John's involved and the paramedics involved and everyone as a team working um, and we'll set up either a couple of, couple of casualties in the cars outside or run it as a simulation in the resus area and run some sims or run some airway procedures or something, even just going through kit bags at the beginning of the season. It's something that if we've been closed from November to March, you can easily forget where simple things are. So even just doing a simulation, kind of running through kit bags, running a bit of a relay race as to who can find equipment first um, is really helpful. And then the rescue team do some simulations that they've invited doctors to come and join in as well in terms of extrication simulations. And at the beginning of each day, whoever is in the car, we try and have a bit of a chat and say, okay, so the paramedic is usually driving which is probably safest. Um, so the paramedics drive. Definitely safest. They, definitely <laughs> safest. <laughs> so you've got a paramedic driving, a doctor in the front, and maybe a third person in the back that could be either paramedic or doctor or another medical professional. Um, and we'll say, okay, if it's one casualty, doctor gets out while the paramedic pulls up. Doctor gets out, paramedics will bring any kit that you need. If it's two, you take one each. If it's more than that, you call in for the second car. So we try and plan as much as we can at the beginning of the day for whatever we think might happen and just hope that it doesn't and, and these cars um if my kids are going to ask me what's the naught to 60 on them oh the new <laughs> x5 is pretty rapid it's better than last season's uh i drove it on saturday um i don't know what the naught to 60 is some rescue units got in my way so i was a bit upset on track i didn't want to get into trouble so, that, you know, they're properly kitted out and um, so it's a mixture of being able to be rapid and, ha and handle yourself around a track with other racing cars, but also have the medical kit. And to yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's so we tend to have one bigger car and one smaller car. So the bigger car this season, we've got an X5, which has all the kit in the back, but we also have a... Say at Ibiza, as I said. <laughs> That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and um, actually, it's uh, quite fun to drive. But that, again, is fully kitted out because all the big things, the rescue units will carry. So all the, the boards and the splints and the kids and everything like that, the rescue units will have. But we will have all the drugs and oxygen and defib and stuff like that on board mm -hmm. our cars. Um, but yeah, it is some big events. We get even more different cars. We had, what did we have at the DTM? Aston Martins. Uh, yeah. What wow. I saw, um, didn't Sarge have a Porsche KN at the weekend? When it... Yeah. I know. <laughs> Need to get into this. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. We're all a bit... 
we're all a bit car centric <laughs> as well the medical team you'll soon learn I we, think... and i had a i made the mistake of i've turned electric and uh, i didn't get home till quite late saturday night after <laughs> racing because i had issues charging my car much to the amusement of all the petrol heads i think the most exciting um sort of medical vehicle I've been in is the milk float that they have. St. John's have a milk float at um, <laughs> the stadium. So, uh, yeah. not, not to 60, never. <laughs> I think, I think Obi and I drove one of those around the track. Oh yeah, she drove me one, yes. That was quite... <laughs> and you kept going, put your foot down. I was like, it's flat. <laughs> but just... Um, uh... I think I keep adding on to Jess's points um, about the, the extrication training. I, I do really enjoy uh, joining the uh, rescue team for the, their extrication training. Um, a, because I get to cut up a car, which is quite fun. Um, but B, you know, they, they're a very skilled group of people. And um, mm -hmm. I think it's important for us to actually understand what it is they do when they turn up at the scene. Um, because it very much helps us in our decision making. Um, about you know patient care, knowing you know how this patient is likely to be extricated. You know, are they going to come through the roof or out the side of the door? You know, so um, it's I think it's really important for us to you know gel as a team and see how you know each each other works. So so simple things like knowing what an A post is from a B post and yeah. and that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. From the extrication point of view. Um, I was really lucky to be the extrication doctor at Formula E in Marrakesh in March, February, March. Can't think, before we went on lockdown. So it seems a long time ago. Um, and watching the extrication team train and work with them was amazing. Because obviously you've got, you could have a live electric car. So it's a very different setup. And it's how you, you have the same, approach to the driver from the medical perspective but it's all the other things where you can actually stand on the car where you can touch the car and being aware of those things and now we've got the halo to add to your issues in certainly the formula one and the formula e which actually gives a very different dimension to when you're trying to cease by and control someone as well because you can't get in and under easily you have to have someone top someone bottom and really also it's about communication but with the extrication team wherever you're working a lot of it comes down to communicating what you want and what they want and are able to do and that's quite interesting because a lot of the rescue teams their day jobs are really diverse so you have all varied people and it's actually really fascinating but they yeah. spent hours practicing and it is like some of the equipment they have is pretty cool like the little tool that like shatters a windscreen they've got some really cool kit actually <laughs> i think that's part of the fun isn't it a pre-hospital it's, it's the toys that you get along the yeah. way it's a totally different environment you know coming from even as so i'm an emergency medicine trainee but even from a and e we're used to patients being quite well packaged and having a nice handover and it's completely out of your comfort zone to suddenly be on the side of the road. That's what the paramedics are used to. But this is even slightly out of their comfort zone at times because they're used to getting there maybe half hour, 40 minutes down the line um, where someone else might already be there or those first initial 
things have started to change whereas we're there often within you know 60 seconds um so it's quite it's really a, it's that real acute first moments and sometimes it can take times for things to present i think you see with that like in ed you get the patient packaged mm. for you whereas when you're first on scene you've got to think about different logistics but also they go through if the, if they've had if they've been unconscious and then suddenly wake up you don't see that in the hospital environment you see them just as that awake person but actually you might be on scene and they're unconscious next minute they're awake uh and confused and next moment they're back to normal and that's really interesting to see it's, it's quite it's quite a challenge recognizing um abnormal neurology so sometimes we'll see a, a player that goes down in rugby and they, they start posturing um and then it's gone within seconds um mm. and it's being alive to those sort of signs that you may not have seen ever in in standard hospital practice So should we just talk about um, cognitive load? Because there's a lot of noise when you're on track. You're going to have your protective equipment. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on around you. Um, how do you see the wood for the trees? It's tricky because as well, if, if the medics have been sent out and rescue team have been sent out to see um, somebody who's crashed and to assess them, they've often stopped the racing, as we said, if it's not a televised event. So that's when everybody else starts getting on the radio and talking to scrutineers and to garages and to you know, marshals calling about posts that have been knocked into and need fixing and all this other stuff that you've got your radio attached to your shoulder and you can hear all of that going on at the same time. Um, so if it is more of a serious incident, we, we have at times tend to just call for radio silence and say we just want nothing apart from us talking to control um, because otherwise you can actually struggle to get through to control to tell them that you need an alpha unit, which is one of the ambulances, or you need the second medical car. Um, and as you say, it's a lot to take in. I've been sent out on some live tracks and they're quite scary because they're, they're, even though they're meant to be under safety car, they can still go at quite a speed until they catch up to the back of the crocodile. And they have come past us at doing a good 60, 70 miles an hour as you're getting out of the car. Um, and they miss by inches, <laughs> really. And then you've got to go and assess somebody else with that adrenaline rush. So, yeah. Guys, I recognise um, you guys are really busy people and our time is nearly up. Um, can you just, as, as we end, just talk about how Brands Hatch is adapting uh, to COVID? So considerations for participants, uh, staff, and then also can we end on, on, a, on what's coming up for Brands Hatch on, on the horizon? Um, with coronavirus. So the Med Centre, we have an amazing Med Centre manager who's been doing a lot of work on it in the background. Um, and so we have, so that's Mick Taylor, uh, give him a shout out. And uh, he has been making sure that the medical centre is one way. We have the front doors locked essentially, because then if you need to approach as a member of the public, you can call or ring a buzzer and we will answer. But it's so that if you have a high temperature or a persistent cough, it's got clear guidance to go to your car and call 111 or go home, essentially, so that you don't, so it limits the spread within the uh, racetrack. 
and amongst the public. Um, we also have got PPE, so we have the surgical masks, gloves and aprons that we've spoken about earlier for all response to a incident and we carry those in the car but also we have for aerosol generating procedures like intubations or anything else we might do with the airway um, we have uh, level 3 PPE so we have the FFP3s and visors um, they are in fairly limited supply because quite rightly they are prioritized to the NHS um, and everyone is very understanding of that but each car has enough equipment and things like we if we send a doctor out to see a patient if they bring them back to the med center they stay with that patient so you only have one person in contact with one patient and we keep all the contact details for so many days for uh, track and trace system as well so we've got all those in place so hopefully that will reassure people that it is safe and we encourage everyone to wear face masks um, who are working in close proximity in the garages and certainly if we're in the cars we will wear face masks but we try and spend especially in the summer as much time out of the cars as possible rather than sitting in close contact with each other although you know we like each other we just don't want to breathe the same air desperately does that answer the question yeah yeah absolutely does um, and you were just talking earlier on about um the differences in, in the kind of politics of uh, motorsports in the UK. So you've got the Motorsport UK um, Authority and then you've got the FIA as well. And so, so for different events, there'll be a, a slightly different ask on, on you guys. Yeah, so certainly for the Formula One that's coming up at Silverstone, um, the FIA require all of us to undertake COVID testing, um, which is also quite important for them because it's an international event. So they are traveling around and they, in some countries, are under a special license to do so. So they have to ensure everyone there, there is no hint and no one can be, you can't compromise the event. Um, so, but financially they are probably in a better situation to do that than the grassroots racing but also we don't travel to lots of different countries. So I suppose so the, difference, the, the difference is there is it's one is kind of international touring with a very strict um, uh, touring bubble um, mm. with also the financial backing to do it. And then the challenges, I guess, in the UK setting of, at the grassroots is how do you stay viable, um, but also yeah. safe at the same time, isn't it? I think, I think it's really hard when... Um, something like this, the, the coronavirus pandemic, has brought together the financial world and also the medical world because they don't always go hand in hand together. Um, but ultimately, these events have got to get back on track because otherwise, industries will, whole industries could collapse, like touring, I mean, concert tours and things like that. And ultimately, they've got to find a compromise between public health and viability of industries. Absolutely. I was having a chat with Paddy Hocken, who's a touring production manager, and he's, he's worked with Queen out in the Australasia tour that they've just had. And, and this is it. They're, they're, that industry is trying to get their, their shop in order in terms of 
the roadmap to how how can they exist in this new era how they how they can develop ways of working to deliver awesome concerts at scale but safely so guys you're very busy people thank you for um, offering your time on the roadie medic podcast um so bottom line is brands hatch is open uh, so you had your first um, event last weekend and i heard it was a good success um, and everyone was safe there so if people are interested the british touring car championship um, is back on the 8th to the 9th of August and the Masters Historic Festival um, to see some really classic cars out there 22nd to 23rd of August. Do enjoy the Grand Prix weekend. It is Silverstone this weekend. I'd love to hear some comments so tweet me at Aaron Castro ED. I'm on Instagram at roadiemedic, roadiemedic at gmail.com. Also you've been listening to The Banshees and uh, they're on Twitter at The Banshees One, an indie rock band from Liverpool uh, they're good lads so do like share and subscribe their stuff if if you like the sound of it there's plenty more out there more to come I'm Sam from Reflex Medical and we're really pleased to be working in association with the Roadie Medic. We're your complete one-stop shop for pre-hospital care equipment, from bandages to defibrillators and everything in between. Our range is continually expanding and is comprised of some of the leading brands in the pre-hospital arena. We only sell equipment we would be happy using in our own event medical work as we know our customers deserve the best. We can supply bespoke and fully kitted bags and can offer leasing or hire options to help you get started. Contact us today on hello at reflexmedical.co.uk or give us a call on 0800 862 0344. Get 10% off everything in our range when you use the code ROADIEMEDIC at checkout at reflexmedical.co.uk. There's no minimum order and delivery is free when you spend £20 or more.